0: This is High School with Mr. Joe. Oh
1: my god, you guys are horrible <laughs> Welcome to the first episode of That High School Life. This is a podcast about being in high school as a teacher and as a student. Um, joining me now is my guest...
0: Dana! Hi, Dana. Hi, guys.
1: <laughs> so this is going to be a weird episode, mostly because it's focused on leaving and ending things, right. even though it's episode one. <laughs> uh, a little background, Dana is my hall partner and work wife, I guess you could call her uh, Latin dancing partner. <laughs> she, we've taught across from each other for the past two years. We started here uh, at the school that we're currently at uh, two years ago uh, yeah. when Dana had what? Just graduated?
0: Yeah, just graduated Teachers College. This is my first teaching job, but I'm happy that I came abroad for my first job and didn't sit on a supply list for too long, so that was good.
1: So, uh, yeah, before I jump into this, tell me, what, what, um, what have you been teaching these past two years?
0: Um, So last year, my first year teaching, I think for most first year teachers, is a little bit of a blur. Um, But my first semester, I taught three different courses um, in an Ontario high school, um, a full teaching course load is three, and you have one prep period. And I taught a different class, uh, all three of those periods. So that was pretty stressful. Um, But I taught uh, literacy, um, travel and tourism, which uh, is kind of a course that doesn't have too strong, solidified of a curriculum, I guess, and I taught geography my first term. And since then, I've also taught grade nine English and grade nine science, um, which has definitely been uh, more up my alley in terms of what I enjoy, because I love those grade nines. They're, uh, it's such an interesting age group to teach, so it's been really, really an awesome teaching experience.
1: Cool. Um, so of, of all of these things that you've taught, what would you say has been your, your favorite <laughs> subject?
0: All uh, of them. Uh, well, I love teaching literacy because I had this wonderful teaching partner. Um, His it, name is me. It was Joe. Um, <laughs> but uh, I also, I think my favorite subject to teach is for sure geography. Um, just because it was my major in university, it's definitely what I'm most passionate about. And it's really cool to like see your passion translate into other people's passion for a subject you care about. Uh, and I'm really starting to see some really curious minds and just some really good questions but it's also been a good opportunity because I learn a lot uh, teaching geography I think more so than the other classes I had the opportunity to teach because I'm learning a lot about Vietnamese geography and Southeast Asian geography and that just keeps me interested but it definitely engages the kids in a different way because I don't think they'd be interested in learning about rocks in Canada but (laughs) they're a little more interested about learning about rocks in Vietnam so that's Canadian rock bands. Sorry.
1: (laughs) We often talk about geography as like this cross-curricular subject. Yeah, for um, sure. And we've been trying to integrate that a lot into uh, what we do here at our school. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you notice that that's been happening more?
0: I think, yeah. I think a lot of the students in my class come out of the course, I think, a little more enthused about the, the environment and just recognizing how fortunate we are to live in this planet. So I think that we have seen a lot of that. Uh, translate in the school's initiatives to just get more involved with environmental issues Um, I see like our gin council is growing I'm not saying that's due to my course but I do think that um, our our gin council or the global issues network has so many kids that are interested in an array of issues and I try to touch on as many of those issues as I can in my course just to give some students a background uh, about what's going on around the world and if that translates in them being interested in a gin initiative or at least giving them an idea about a little more about what's going on um, with those initiatives, I think that that's a really good thing. Uh, and it's become cool at our school to be involved in gin or to be involved in, like, the recycling club, which is really glamorous because we get to pick through used milk cartons. But it, it's become a cool thing, which I love. It's
1: always cool. Yeah, no. <laughs> recycling is cool, kids. Remember that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> No, oh. so that's been like really, that's probably been the highlight of uh, my two years is the last couple of months seeing more student involvement uh, mm. in global issues. It just, it makes me excited to to come to work every day for sure.
1: This was your first teaching job, right? Yep. Uh, what university did you go to?
0: I went to Queen's University. The did second the best school program. in Canada. Yeah, so. yeah. I did the Con Ed program, so <laughs> I'd like to make a push for that. It's a great program. And uh, I enjoyed spending five years in Kingston, but definitely enjoying a bigger city. Sure. <laughs> Saigon's a great city.
1: So yeah, it was your first job out of yep. uh, Queen's University. Uh, what were you expecting coming over to Vietnam in your first teaching job? And was there a hard reality that hit you or did it match what you were hoping it would be?
0: Well, the international part didn't really hit me as much because I, I was really privileged to do teaching uh, abroad opportunities when I did my practicum placements. I have a sister that lives in the Philippines. So I'd traveled to Southeast Asia quite a bit. So the international part didn't re- really hit me right away how lucky I was to be over here. And that didn't really weigh too much into um, my transition. But the job part was weird. <laughs> um I thought that I was, like, going to get here on the first day and have some, like, grand epiphany of, like, oh, I'm a professional oh, now. captain, my
1: captain. Yeah,
0: and that <laughs> just didn't happen. Um, I remember the first time that my school had some issues with our morning announcement, and the first time that there was, like, a PA announcement, it was, like, October, because we didn't have it working right away, and I freaked out. I was, like, oh, my God, I'm a real teacher now, <laughs> and it was, like, such a weird thing, but I was expecting to have this, like, big thing hit me of, oh, like, oh, like, you're, you're a professional now. And that just didn't happen. It was pretty seamless. Like nothing changed. I still put my pants on one leg at a time and <laughs> nothing really changed, which, which surprised me. And it's weird because I think living abroad as well, like my mom still calls me and freaks out about me when I'm walking home alone at night. And like, I have to remind myself that like parents are entrusting me with their children, but my mom's still freaking out about me. So that's, uh, I think, a big... Uh, transition anyways um, to to being abroad and I think it's an adjustment not just for for you but for your whole family Mm -hmm. but the teaching part I think is more of what was the transition for me and I think that you you build it up to be something in your mind and it really isn't that bad it was really similar to your practicum placements Um, definitely more responsibility because I mean, on your practicums, you obviously want to do the best job you can, but I think it you feel a lot more responsible for the kids' grades and for their futures, and that can sometimes weigh on you. But uh, I, I think it was a lot um, easier of a transition than I expected, so that was really cool.
1: So as an international teacher, um, or not even as a teacher, but just as an individual uh, living abroad, away from you know what we would call familiar surroundings, mm-hmm. um, what were the things that you found challenging or not challenging about coping or i'd say adjusting to southeast asia
0: i think the biggest thing the biggest adjustment for me is probably um just finding new friends like any job you're going to have to m- make a new kind of life for yourself a new family but it's different because i think when you start a new job in an environment that you're familiar with your job isn't your life but here where we don't have family and friends that we've known our whole lives and the environment's so different our work kind of becomes our life, and I'm a little bit of a workaholic, so that was kind of like a good thing for me, I guess. But I think that finding friends and adjusting to that transition was big. I think it's really important when you're teaching uh, abroad to make sure you have a life outside of work, uh, and just finding really good friends for that. But one of the big privileges, I think, about teaching abroad is you can kind of reinvent yourself in a way yeah. you can try a hobby that like you never thought you were going to do. Like I started <laughs> taking pottery classes and ask anyone who knows me, I'm horrible at art. Like, I had a kid come up to me at one of these pottery classes and walk around and be like, good, 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 you, bad. And I was like, oh, <laughs> all right. Um, but this is like an eight-year-old. And so I couldn't get mad at him. But I'm not artistic. But you can try something new, and that's fine. Um, and I think that that's a, a really big uh, privilege because at home, I probably never would have tried something like that. It's right. too expensive. I couldn't talk in one of my friends into coming with me. But here, I do a lot of things alone. I uh, I started doing a lot more yoga classes, working out. So I think that it's a good opportunity because you don't have all of those family commitments and friend commitments. Your your social circle maybe is a little bit smaller. You can really spend some time focusing on yourself right. too, which is awesome. And I think that that also makes you a better teacher because you're not um, you know drained after school because you have these nine other things you're going to do. You can kind of volunteer more to do that After school thing on a weekend or whatever because you don't have as many commitments So I think that that's uh, an interesting and different thing about teaching abroad for sure
1: You're going back to Canada after this, right? Mm Mm-hmm um, are you still going to be teaching? What are you going into?
0: No, Joe. You know <laughs> uh, I'm not. What does the uh, future hold? <laughs> I'm not going to be teaching, um, which I think surprises and like scares some of my kids. They think like, were we so bad that you're leaving the profession? Yes. And no, <laughs> that's not it. Um, but yeah, I'm going to Vancouver uh, to take a job working for an ESL um, camp company. Um, okay. They run summer camps in uh, the Canada, Canada, and the U.S. and I think it'll be kind of a good bridging of my interest because it's a little bit of ESL, which obviously teaching here, we deal with a lot of ESL students. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also a little bit more of a behind-the-scenes like, desk job, uh, which is something I'm excited to try because so many times, particularly this year... Kids have come up to me and been like, oh, Miss Dana, like, I'm thinking about studying business when I'm older. What do you think? Or like, oh, my dad works in HR. Do you think I'd be good at that? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, (laughs) I've only ever wanted to be a teacher, kid. Like, ask me about teaching and I can answer your questions. But I think doing things that are outside the field will actually help me be a better teacher if I do decide to come back to teaching. But uh, this is... um, I don't necessarily work one-on-one with kids, but I am making a difference in how they uh, learn um, at summer camp, but also just to see um, North America and kind of fall in love with a different culture, which is something I've always been interested in doing, so
1: it'll be cool. Uh, So considering that you're going to be putting yourself in an entirely new environment, essentially, Mm -hmm. uh, what do you think is one thing that you'll miss the most, aside from me?
0: (laughs) yeah no i keep seeing all these memes online of like tag that friend of yours that like you'll miss working beside and i'm like joe joe (laughs) um but yeah you are uh the gym to my pam or whatever like Mm -hmm. office reference (laughs) um but i will really miss like the freedom of teaching abroad um It's just so easy to to do what you want after school and like there's no one keeping tabs on you um, which I think when you live closer to family and friends you just kind of feel a little bit more accountability to to other people but I'll miss the freedom and it's also like a financial thing too for sure it's really easy to go out every (laughs) night a week for dinner with someone or uh you know go to your do your gym membership and then drop by the tailor like it's it's a lot (laughs) cheaper to live here than it is at home so I'm preparing myself for a lot of late nights at Tim Hortons and not fancy (laughs) rooftop bars and uh that'll be a big transition for sure but it uh it's something I'm looking forward to too because I think it's back to the reality that I'm comfortable with so um that's kind of what i remember growing up doing so it's kind of a little bit of comfort um that'll be nice to have for sure that's good
1: well the upside is you'll be going back to tim hortons which is always stocked yeah Uh, (laughs) whereas highlands here teachers who are coming to vietnam stay away from highlands coffee it's true they're always out of food
0: that's another thing i will miss is vietnamese coffee scene we have a coffee shop on every corner and they all have wi-fi questionable reliability, but everywhere has Wi-Fi, everywhere's got good coffee, and it's just like you can explore and enjoy that, and I love that.
1: Are there any coffee shops that you want to give a shout out to? You know, just as a heads up for people who might be listening to this or looking for places to go.
0: I'm not going to give you any chain coffees because you can look up those on your own, but Cabin is the one that I just went to the other day Mm -hmm. that I recommended. Nam, which is on that street beside the place that I go for vegetarian pho, is really good. Uh, that's the one that looked like Hoi An. It's a beautiful little coffee shop. And you're like, how is it only like 20,000 for a coffee here? Like, it's beautiful. The whole setup is beautiful. Um, another big one that actually is a chain, but it's growing in, uh, in Saigon, is the Coffee House and the Station, which is kind of like a uk styley one, which I think is cute. Um, and there's a couple of them budding um, up around D7. So I'm enjoying it.
1: The map links to those coffee shops, I will include in the show notes. Yeah, do it. Um, the streets can get a little confusing here, so it's always, it's always easier to describe things by what something is beside. Where were we? Right, you talked about your international teacher lifestyle, mm-hmm. um, your first job, um, but let's move now to advice for, um, I guess, new teachers, uh, or just teachers who are coming abroad for the first time. Um,
0: Oh, what, okay. do,
1: do you have any words of wisdom for teachers who are coming <laughs> abroad to start their international careers?
0: Well, I'm young, so I'm not the uh, the treasure <laughs> chest of good advice. I make lots of mistakes, Joe will tell you, but um, I think I have kind of different advice for moving abroad and being an international teacher and for being a teacher just generally. I think my best advice for moving abroad, though, is, and this applies to any opportunity you have to live abroad, do not try to fit Dana from Canada or whatever your name is from whatever country you're from into the new place you're going. Don't try to be the same Dana in Canada in Vietnam because I really tried to do that, but you have to adjust or you're just going to be miserable. Like I was a pretty strict vegetarian when I first uh, came here. And you can ask Joe, there was a couple times that we'd go out and I would say <laughs> hey, surprise, vegetarian and they would just be like, no, we have no food that's vegetarian. And so I would sit there and drink my beer and be sour. And then I realized, you know, I can be a vegetarian in Canada very easily, but it's hard here. So here I've been um, pescatarian, eating like fish and stuff like that, just because then I can go out and enjoy food with my friends and I don't have to stress about it. Right. Um, it's the whole concept of just... Letting go, relinquishing some of that control, um, which I think is really, you need to do when you move abroad because things are not going to be the same way you're comfortable with them being. Similar to like your phone plan, like I'd go and get upset <laughs> when my phone would run out of minutes, and then I'd be like, wait, like it's $5 to top up my card. Like why am I freaking out about this? But it's just, it was the principle of it to me, yeah. but um, you can't try to fit the data in Canada with all the things you're used to and things just working the way that they do into another country because that's, that's not the way things are. You do have to adjust and adapt and be willing to, you know, realize that things aren't the same, and that's okay. Right. And when you go home, you can be that same person again. You're not letting go of that. You're just putting it on pause for a little bit and realizing that you're in a different place enjoy the different place because otherwise you'll sit there and be miserable in drinking your <laughs> beer while all your friends enjoy delicious food with phone plans so <laughs> yeah
1: speaking of which uh if anybody's looking for a good meat restaurant i'll include this in the show notes too but there is a very good barbecued i think it's called nimnun place on Volvankit, which again i'll include in the show notes
0: yeah, because no one knows what you just said, Joe. But that's good. And ah. the other thing is Joe speaks Vietnamese a little bit. Uh, just a and message, I took yeah. classes, and I still don't speak Vietnamese. So,
1: We've been talking uh, for quite a bit about you know your, your experience here. Um, we've looked back a lot. Um, so uh, let me wrap this up with two questions. I'll ask you the first one now. Mm-hmm. Uh, what has been your favorite memory oh, Joe. of Vietnam?
0: Um, I think my favorite memory of being here is just kind of those aha moments that you have with kids sometimes. Um, I think for me one of the biggest successes has been like trying to infuse a little bit of my environmentalist into these students and um, I love that I'm leaving a little part of myself behind. So I think like we just started a recycling program at my school with the gen club that I'm part of and the staff support was amazing for it and the kids are really into it. And I love that I'm leaving behind some a little bit of environmentalism in the school. Um, so that's been one of my favorite memories is just leaving that club and, and seeing not only kids in that club, but like elementary kids being like, recycling lady. That's been awesome. <laughs> so that's been really cool um, for me. That's probably my favorite memory is just seeing that I'm making a change. And it's something that's going to continue even once I leave, which is cool.
1: Good yeah so this this recycling program is continuing next year for those students who are listening to this. make sure you recycle stop it with the one- time use plastic
0: or you can use one time use plastic but recycle it like there there's definitely a ton of ways you can help the environment and I know this is now turning into a plug about environmentalism <laughs> but uh, I think you can't uh, don't don't fight uh, people who use single use plastics just remind them to recycle them because you can't. Um, save the environment with negativity you can't save the environment by yelling at people who use single-use plastics you can save the environment by working with those people though um, and, and saying recycle or just reminding them of all the different other ways that you can help the environment and if you are someone who wants to do a single or a no-waste lifestyle that's amazing for you and that, that's awesome but similar to being like a vegetarian like I'm a vegetarian but I don't force Joe to be a vegetarian <laughs> so <laughs> I just think it's really important to, to adv- yeah advocate for things you care about, but never try to force other people to do it. Make it so it's accessible for them as well. And then maybe they'll see that, like, oh, you're doing a good thing. Maybe I want to get involved. And that's cool.
1: This podcast has been brought to you by Recycling Lady. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, last question. Uh, so you talked about your favorite memory, uh, which I suppose is the aha moments and recycling Looking forward now, mm-hmm. uh, what are you looking forward to the most?
0: Ooh. Um, I'm just I, I'm really excited to get to a new city and learn a new job and kind of get involved with that. I think the biggest thing I'm looking forward to is not like going back to teaching or right, anything, but just getting involved with kids in any capacity that I can even though I'm not a teacher next year um, so I want to make sure in the in the job I'm working at it's a camp company so I'll get to be a little bit involved with kids in that way and I think it's just continuing to see how kids are changing because we live in a world where kids are more technologically proficient and um, they just their, their interests are changing so quickly so it's just getting to know young people because it keeps me young one even though I am very young, (laughs) but Um, you're getting old. (laughs) Um, but, uh, it, it it makes you, um, yeah, it just keeps you excited to, to see how things are changing. So I love getting to work with young people, uh, whether it's at camps or whether it's in a classroom, I'm just excited to see that.
1: Cool. All right. Well, um, I think that's it. Any closing thoughts?
0: No, Joe, but uh, I just want to say good luck with this podcast, I guess, because this is a really cool idea, and uh, I hope it takes off. I hope kids like it.
1: Same here, and if they don't, that's okay, but kids, if you listen, I'll give you extra marks. (laughs) Just kidding. All right, you'll
0: have one follower. (laughs) I'll listen to this nine times, so at least you'll have nine nine (laughs) views or listens.
1: I hope so, but... Anyway, thank you, Dana, for joining us today for the very first episode of That High School Life. Again, if you're looking for those locations of those coffee shops or that restaurant that was mentioned, be sure to check the show notes and tune in for our next episode when we talk about the Ontario Secondary School Diploma Program with an actual Ontario Secondary School Diploma student.
0: Wait, Joe, can I say one thing? Yes. Yes. You said it was weird that we were endi- or starting with talking about the ending. Yes. And I think it's actually really appropriate because all of high school is about teaching kids to leave us. So if we're doing our jobs properly we should be training them for the end, which I think is really cool. So I actually think it's really cool that you started with the end.
1: I feel like crying now. <laughs> uh, so I think we found our closing song for this podcast too. <laughs> closing time. <laughs> <But> anyway. <laughs> anyway, all right. So tune in next uh, next episode. Again, a real Ontario secondary school diploma student. Thanks, Dana.
0: Bye.